Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips. Tonight we're talking about um, conflict, and in the breakout rooms, you were discussing where do you, where is the most conflict in your life? Um, does anyone want to share or talk about anything, Margaret? Yeah, I'd like to know. Does it make a difference? Does it make any difference whether it's at work? or whether it's at home or personal relationships, the conflict. In, in, what, in what sense? <laughs> um, well, at work, I'm d- dealing with academics. and don't think I'm being judgmental, but they're quite stern that they won't, they won't listen to anybody else's point of view. So the only way I can deal with it is to say that we have to go our separate ways. We, you've got your idea and I've got my idea, but we can't meet, we can't meet at an even thing, even, even in personal relationships, the same thing. So have you got any advice or on how you can deal with that? Okay, we'll, we'll get into talking about that um later um so so it's a a work situation and it's um so so the conflict is really where um these people are have studied a field for a long time um and have a lot of confidence in their view which can be perceived as arrogant um and so is it that they feel that they've like they know it all yes that's what your interpretation is. Yeah. Okay. Can we can we come back to that? Because I want to yeah, talk sure. about how we deal with conflict. Um, after anyone else, I did say that as a codependent and a people pleaser, that I'd avoided conflict for a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Actually, I used to do that too quite a bit. I think, especially in romantic relationships, I used to. I didn't kind of want to ruin the moment or rock the boat, so I wouldn't bring things up, and I'd kind of almost, I know this might sound daft, but I'd kind of <laughs> wait until I'd got a collection of things that really pissed me off and then I'd go forward and talk to them about it, which wasn't the best idea. It wasn't the best approach apparently because it just seemed like I was like going and you did this and you did that and you did this. I tried to do it in an empathetic way, um, but I just thought, you know, do you want me to come to you at everything or shall I just come to you in one go and we'll sort of that, you know, like at the doctor's, you just save it all up and go at once kind of thing. Um, yeah, that plan didn't quite work. So now I do it as things come up and it's been a really hard, pro- uh, like it's been really, really hard to do that and not seem like a moaning bugger. Um, but it kind of works a little bit better now, I think. Um, and to sort of make sure that you're on the same page. I feel, but definitely I used to be a people pleaser, but not so much anymore. Who generally feels, as you've matured, um, you've become less willing to be a people pleaser or uh, to keep things quiet? I think we just simply not realise the people people pleaser. We just just try to avoid the conflict. Mm. We are afraid. If you see even our government sometimes do that, you know, they just, oh, yeah, let's, let's listen what the people want. But does they really what they want? Because if you can offer for anybody free, they will always want the free. But that's really what you want? Because if it's free, nobody is anymore behind. I'm always so scared that uh, my, yeah, I don't know, Jim <laughs> going to leave me. So I, I do everything he wants me to do, always. I'm a really pleaser. I'm like 50s uh, housewife. I clean, I cook, I fix everything, but we don't live to live together. Uh, I'm really scared that he's gonna be like 
angry or think that I say wrong things or I do wrong things. And then when we uh, when we start our conflict, we're gonna be we are really angry. Uh, we scream and uh, yeah, it's too much. Mm. A big problem in my life. I've always found that uh, um, resolving disputes, if you like, or conflict is much harder when you have emotions attached to it. Um, emo emotions just ex exaggerates everything. So, and I was saying earlier in the chat room, I mean, I could have a, a challenging conversation with someone I don't know and perhaps I don't even care about very comfortably and very rationally having exactly the same conversation with uh, a spouse or a, my child will probably be very hard. <laughs> I will find myself getting all worked up perhaps. Um, and because you are saying, but you know, you're going to make a mistake and this isn't, you know, and it, it can, it takes time to learn to manage that. Hmm. I think. Yeah. As a quick show of hands, though, um, generally, is there more conflict, like professionally in work, at home, or is it somewhere else, like with friends? And Mine is with family. Mm. Yeah, family, family. <laughs> Mine's with Amazon. I think family, because people are more care about the people who are care so much about them. So they worry about what they think. And because they worry about what they think, they want to please them. They want to look in their eyes like, you know, like they are the good person. Is it also because we have more expectations from our family? No, it's because they're closer. It cuts deeper. You share DNA, you share blood, you share early memories. Yeah, but that's for me why it is the deepest. And, and I think what, what what Betty means is because of that, you you have certain expectations of them because they're your like closest tribe. Yeah, it is, and sometimes you're actually expecting them to understand you all the time and opposite. But actually, that's not always what happens because we are humans. Also, you're expecting them to care, and when they don't care, it's disappointing, more disappointing. I feel like they're less filtered as well and edited. So <laughs> I, mean, I, I love that about. Um, about my sister in that we can be really honest with each other quite brutally sometimes almost but then um yeah you can't always take it can you <laughs> um as opposed to like at work situations that kind of thing were you brutally honest about the fan <laughs> no i just pissed myself laughing as she knew <laughs> well, what was your sister's verdict on the new hair color well she did it so she was pretty proud oh. of it. <laughs> so, yeah it's sort of coming out a little bit now but <laughs> Um, Helen, did you have something to say? No, no, you're all right. Yeah, nothing yeah. yet. <laughs> okay, just feel, feel free to join in. Um, just for oh, yeah. anyone, I think uh, for anyone who is new, um, what we generally do is we have a theme. We have private discussions in the breakout room. What's in the main room here is recorded, um, so you can listen to. Uh, so all the audio is recorded, so you can listen to anything, any of the past. Uh, meetups. Um, okay, so with that said, I just want to set a bit of a framework um, and maybe look at conflict in a slightly different way. So I think um, when you first look at conflict, there's five levels of conflict where really um, a lot of our a lot of our problems 
um, as individuals, as society, comes from a, a, there's a core conflict. And that conflict is that we are biological animals and we're living in an artificially constructed society. And so this is where we're supposed to conform to society norms, like everyone in school uh, should do this. And yet it's contrary to our biological instincts. Uh, Rob, sorry, could I ask what a definition of a conflict is? Um, good question. Um, so for me, a conflict is basically um, where two people want two different things. Um, it's where even the resource, such as someone's time, someone's attention, someone money or whatever, um, is limited and we can't both have it. Because if someone... Um, so it's basically been torn into, into two different outcomes that are mutually exclusive. So, for example, in a relationship, so so the core, if we're looking at a, a core conflict, is society, what society demands, and what our biological instincts are. That's two different things. Uh, the next level is we have an inner conflict. So we want to do this, but we also want to do this. So, like the most basic one is we want to eat the cake and we want to be slim. We want to um, spend the money. Um, and not have the debt. We want to, um, like, who feels they've got too much to do, too many things to do and not enough time? Um, so that's that's a basic conflict. So then the next level, I would say, is, is either partner or family conflict, where it's used and someone really close to you. Um, and that conflict can be um, they want you to do something and you don't want it. Um, you say, for example, your parents and children, you want two different things, um, or like siblings fighting for resources, that kind of thing is a conflict. So the next level is, um, conflict within the tribe. So this can be, um, you versus people on your team. Like if you're at work, um, it might be people in your department you might have conflict with. It may be um, in society, it's, it's like pressure groups. So pressure groups are fighting for, for something and then someone else. So they're within the same tribe that they see, the same society, but they um, have different goals and different aims. And then... It, it sounds, Rob, like you're saying that conflict arises when there's two forces, but they're not going in the same direction. They're going in perhaps not just different directions, but the op op opposing direction. But I was just wondering if a husband says he wants cheese and the wife says that she wants tomatoes, just because they want different things, they don't have to, as it were, conflict, do they? Can they not agree to disagree? In other words, just because we want different things in life, does that mean there has to be a conflict? Do we have to, as it were, clash? No, no I think the conflict comes in when it's mutually exclusive, so if he wants pizza and she wants Chinese and they can't have both. But isn't it a bit like in, in a competitive field, you know, um, like even amongst friends. Now I've got a friend who, uh, who plays tennis and it's like, yeah, I'm going to have to come down there and bash you up. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily serious. That's, that's a difference or opinion or we're against each other. But the other bit would be where it actually turned nasty, genuine emotion and um, anger and, or disdain. And I think there's a real difference there but only slightly if you think about it it's still competitiveness against each other difference but yet one of them is very much emotion driven maybe so so sport is conflict because there can only be one winner 
Um, so that's that's where the conflict is. Um, and that same conflict is like Carl says, if you've got two companies who are vying for market share, then they're, they're, that that's where the conflict comes in because that, um, it becomes serious then because it's a resource that you really want. Um, in a sport, we know it's a game and we know that there's only one winner and we'll fight for it, but then we accept it because that's that's the, the frame. Um, it could be two people um, romantically interested in the same person. That's a conflict. So yeah, there's there's um, there's that kind of conflict. And then the last one is I think tribe versus tribe. So, so it can be like you know you get family feuds with this family and this family hate each other, and um, or it can be um, like marketing and sales hate each other, or accounts and whatever. It can be football teams, um, which is like you identify with a team or a country and you're, you're playing another country. And so uh, there becomes en en uh, enmity in it. Um, and it can be between nations. So this is where you get wars or it can be religious groups or in any way that you see yourself as different from other people, like they're my tribe, they're not my tribe. And that's tribe versus tribe conflict so it's really about for me conflict is like i want this and i want this but you both can't both have it because like like you say betty if you want cheese and you want tomato it doesn't matter because there's no conflict but where it comes conflict comes when you have one of you has to win and one of you has to lose um like you can't both get what you want uh yeah you can't both get what you want at that level so I think the idea of the mythical one in relationships is the idea that there's no conflict. It's like, if you find this one, we'll be happy forever. We'll want the same things. We'll ha want the same house. We'll uh, want the same takeaways. We'll watch the same films. Um, we we'll want to live in the same house, have the same way of bringing up children, um, have sex the same amount of times and ways have um spend our money in the same way all of those things i think the idea of the mythical one is that there isn't conflict sounds like the groundhog there actually i thought it sounds like the one is yourself so oh i got my house i'm gonna date me i'm gonna go to the cinema with <laughs> me and god i like all the things that me likes this is great i've never found me this is oh yeah Anyway. Well, that would be so much simpler. Um, Howard Markman talks about, in relationships specifically, when we argue, there's hidden issues. So that ostensibly, we're arguing about cheese versus tomato. But what we're really arguing about is about power. Who has power? Who is allowed to have power over me? Does the other person care? Do they recognize, do they really see me? Um, are they committed to me? And are they acting with integrity? And do they accept me? Um, uh, Margaret, to bring yeah. back your example, straightforward, if it's straightforward, there's a conflict. Okay, when it's straightforward, I think if we don't have these hidden things, it's either a resource that we both want, 
or it's something else um or it's something else that we're not being explicit about so there's something in that so looking at, the, at that frame the academics that you have conflict with what do you think they're most looking for as in so i'll repeat it again power caring recognition commitment integrity or acceptance power hmm. because they feel that they've reached the position they've like prove themselves with their yeah yeah um, exactly i know more, how how i feel it's devaluing me um they've studied so many years and they feel they're an expert in their field hmm. and from your perspective are any of these active in you do you feel do you feel it's like one way or do you feel um threatened or um not heard or not listened to or not respected how would you say yes um these academics how would you say yes they've got power but some of them haven't got any common sense and what what the non-academic has they haven't what's it word they haven't got skills of um possibly for 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 solutions of um for, well, for example i give can give you an example um a charity wanted to raise money for funds so one person said to me they're an academic oh i can get such and such a one to to donate and that would be enough money but apparently it wasn't enough money <clears throat> i had my own i had my own idea on it and the own idea was to raise the extra funds that they need, they needed. I um, done meditation, and I got quite a lot of money through that, which they wouldn't have thought of. So one complements the other, but they've got to be they've got to be willing to listen. Can I just say something about um, people who have power based on probably one one main thing in their lives, not just academics, but that is what makes them that's what gives them respect and when they're challenged they feel challenged they sometimes think what am i without this if that goes then i'm nobody and so there's a fear coming from them to not allow you to challenge them because they are afraid of being stripped back to nothing mm. <clears throat> So there's a big insecurity underneath that facade of power. And um, it's that sometimes I think drives the behavior. Not um, and sometimes people also give off the this um, air of great authority in, in a particular area. And I'm not saying this about anybody in particular, but sometimes they do and they are scared of being challenged. Because sometimes they're just not really secure in the aura that they present. And so you get people who are quite insecure. I think this has been a real problem in uh, you know, our scientific community as well. Intellectual snobbery or intellectual dishonesty, meaning that 
they yeah. know that they might not be right, so they close their brain in the loop. Uh, and that halts things. And these people are so-called leaders or experts, and therefore our um, progression in things like electric vehicles and clean energy has been held back. Um, also in the fields of archaeology and history, people say, no, there's no way that could be possible. And then they keep finding things that are older and older and older. And these people have all been wrong, despite, you know, vehemently saying, but that's because, like you say, they've attested themselves to it. So, yeah. Mm. It's, it's interesting that when you look at someone like Elon Musk, um, it took him to develop like the electric car that really worked and the space. Um, it's often people who've come from completely outside um, who challenge, like there's a limit um, in the way that we've always done things. There's a limit of how far that will take you. And it takes someone to have a completely different approach before um, you can have a breakthrough. I think that conflict stems from an emotional response in one or two people or two groups of people. I think there's always an emotion behind every every part of conflict. Yeah. Yeah. It's um because the details you can you can work out quite easily. It's the emotion that becomes and uh so Nicole and um Natalie really really talked about there's a tendency to not want conflict. And because you don't want a conflict, you let it go. Um, and when you let it go, it's but it's still in your head. And so it stews and that's when it rots. And then it, it builds up so much pressure that eventually you have to let it explode. Um, and where is it actually, if you can say something the moment you feel it, it has less charge to it. And so you're telling someone, so you're relieving the pressure of yourself, but also you're not, there isn't bitterness behind it. Uh, you, uh, yeah, I, I was just going to add in. Um, so I, I've been traveling for a month. I had a really fantastic time and I came back and um, at my home, there was a, a little bit of studio noise bleed. And so my neighbor comes around and she was just saying the most god-awful stuff to trigger me but because in myself I was like 10 out of 10 happy you know uh, settled and comfortable no matter what she said it didn't move me so I didn't engage back and all I'd say is oh my god what do you want we got to about four rounds of me saying what do you want and she just said well could you shut it off about half an hour earlier I said to tell you what, what about an hour earlier and the minute I said that, because there was no conflict, she broke down in tears. She ended up asking me for a hug, actually, which was really fucking weird. But um, the point being is that in conflict, it's also about our own capacity. And the bit that I want to add in, which I have not figured out yet, and I don't know how the fuck I'll ever figure it out, is that it's very easy to be relaxed in a warm bath. And what I'm saying is, is that it's all very well having capacity, but what about when we're stressed, tired, moving house, losing our job? Then even just the capacity to deal with somebody who's not put salt on the potatoes for dinner that evening, the meal's ruined. <laughs> like we, we can't take small things. So that's the bit I'm trying to figure out. I think it is, I think it is all about capacity. Some of it is about attachment how attached you are to an outcome. And some of it is about 
there is, um, I think, uh, so HRV training, like heart rate variability training is really interesting because it's a measure, um, in theory, it's a measure of how well you deal with physical and emotional stress. Um, and uh, so I think things like meditation, HRV training, things like that are able to give you a bit of distance, which um, gives you more capacity to deal with stress. Um, Janos. Yeah, no, basically what I realized the last one year, <clears throat> people most of the times, they always go for the win. And how the other person feel, it's all about if it's a win-win situation or a win-lose situations. That's coming back to the communication. Communication is built up with two things. One, to actively listen, so be present to be honestly hear what the person's saying, to be understand from where that's coming and what actually means that for the person. And when you receive that message, that's when it starts the communication. Until that moment, people just talking to replying. And honestly, when you're replying, it's build up the conflict. Reply is just no communication. Reply, it's just like, you know, bubbles. And that's when it's the fight coming. Um, I think that's really interesting because I think what you brought up is when you say win-lose, then even that's about what does winning and losing mean? And losing means shame. Winning means I'm smarter. I've, I've got a place up in the, in the pecking order. Um and I'm I'm thinking of like studies that, that have been done where people are offered a pay rise, um, and they can be offered a bigger monetary pay rise than than like the alternative, but it means that they got less than some of their colleagues, and so even though they're offered more money, because it's relatively less than some of the other people in where they work, they've refused it, and they'd rather take less money if it means that other people don't get it. Um, and so I'm thinking back to offices I've worked in and um, it becomes really frustrating to work with people when they're, it's just about pettiness and about like, I want to have this badge and I want to be the milk monitor. And when you're trying to do things and it's um, someone else is off all the time and they want to tell you about how hard their life is and, um, how serious everything is and someone else wants to take credit. And, and it is like my favourite comedy ever is The the Office, Ricky Gervais. Um, and that really sums up like like Gareth there of, of just wants to be um, validated as his second. Um, and it's just, it's like Dante said that it's people that are hell um, and it's it and, and what that really is is because we're all seeking something from each other and we feel when we're being manipulated we feel when people are trying to control us 
um, and we know it's like for their own satisfaction. And so that underpins a lot of the conflict that we feel. Don't you think that's coming back a little bit of the values? People feel they're losing their own values hmm. because of the other person's perspective. And in reality, that's never happening. Just recreating that program inside of ourselves. When somebody do have a problem with our with us, does it really my problem? It should be the other person's problem. Hmm. Because it's not understand me. Not asking me. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it makes me think of how emotionally charged politics is. Um, and from my perspective, I don't have a lot of faith uh, or I don't have any respect for it in politics. Um, I think politics is the art of saying that you're doing something and actually not doing anything. Um, and it's it's like the way, how can you manipulate public opinion? Um, but when you look at conservative Labour or in America, there are Republicans and the Democrats. Um, so, yes, so... I mean, I really, I don't really think that politicians do make a lot of difference because I think most of it is, is when I, mean, I hold the view that it's social factors um, and, and politicians go along with what's popular. Because I, I mean, I look at everyone uses Hitler as the example of a dictator, but Hitler had to, um, had to, um, shelve some of his plans because it, it wouldn't have been popular. So even he needed the people to be along with him. Um, and I think, so I think really politicians, I mean, if you look at Boris Johnson's government, it's really been about trying things and then changing them when, when public appeal, public, um, like, like when the pub, when there's public outrage against them, um, so I think a lot of the, like the way that people invest their life in a political cause, um, to me, from my perspective, is a, is a waste of energy because there isn't much difference because it goes this way this year, this way, that year. Um, and that's really about believing that we need something from other people. Yeah, um, it, it does seem like religion and politics are real sticklers for conversation and, you know, people will get very personal. And what, what I've also noticed is that if you don't share the beliefs of somebody who's really ingrained in religion or politics, they'll then start to, um, oh, what, what's the word, um, when you would ad hominem attack, where you, you stop attacking their beliefs, but you attack the person. Um, so they start to get at your character. Oh, you believe this and you do this because they can't directly look at your belief, their belief and be intellectually honest. And I'm not using the word intellectually honest as some sort of wanky term. It's, it just means that can you in your head be prepared to be wrong and allow yourself that your perspective may not be the only perspective uh, and take consideration. Now, fair enough, if you're confident and you know your beliefs, you've done your research, or you feel there is substantial weight in, you can stand with that. 
But it's often when people haven't explored their beliefs or really looked at them or been deeply honest enough, you'll get uh, verbal violence, maybe physical violence, and then belittling, shaming, or all under the umbrella of what's known as an ad hominem attack. So that's what I've observed. Thank you. I've learned a new word. Yeah. I'm not sure I'll be able to say it again. Um, Alec, in the box. AD. I can if you like. Well, just remember the Muppets. Ad hominem. Da, 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 da. Ad hominem. Da, 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 da. No? Okay, I won't do that again. Right. Um, okay, I, I, I think so. I think um, that brings up another point is that when I talked about the five levels of conflict, um, only one of them was tribe against tribe, and this is what we think of as war. Um, and what conflict really does is it says you're different from me, and tribally someone who's out of our tribe is a danger, is a threat. And so we, this is why when, when people are in conflict, they try and gather people together and they tell them their sympathy story. And, and it's like people in conflict, like a couple in conflict will often go to their friends and say, oh, they've done this, they've done this, to have everyone say that, oh, okay, you're okay, it's them. And it really doesn't really make any difference to the conflict, but it makes people feel better because there's something about being in, in the core of conflict is the opposite of conflict is connection. And we want connection and we want to be one. We want to be like the tribe. We want to be, you're like me. Um, and when someone has a different point of view, it becomes threatening because you're not like me. And if you're, if we're in the same tribe and you're not like me, it means either you're not really my tribe or I could be out of the tribe. And so there's, there's a threat. Um, okay. So we've talked about the different types of conflict and underlying, but there's, there's a one big um, issue to look at which is from our side, how do we deal with conflict? And there's three main ways. Um, so there's fight. So when we're under threat, we fight, we fly, or we freeze. And there are a couple of others, but those are the three most significant. So I think it would be interesting to look at for a minute and think about which one of those which one of those boxes do you fit in like do you typically under conflict get aggressive and argue and fight your corner do you take flight and remove yourself or do you freeze and just go numb and not know what to do i'm off Sorry? I can't choose one. I'm everything. But I, I don't know if it's because I have, uh, yeah, I told that or uh, borderline. I, th I think we'll all do different things at different times, depending on what it means and depending on who it's with and the context and how we feel. 
Um, so there's not one that particularly stands out more to you. Okay. Um, can you look at the same kind of relate like relation certain relationships? Is there a pattern to how you behave in that? And then other relationships, maybe there's a different pattern. Mm. Mm, so it depends on who, with, and mm. how you feel. Um, okay, so should we take a quick poll? I think you know me, though. I think everybody knows me. I will fight my corner. I am not. <laughs> my- <laughs> I am not freezing. <laughs> You're not alone, Sandra. It would be a good dancer in your side. <laughs> That's your weakness, you know. I own up. To, I will own up to my my faults, my flaws, and everything. You know, whatever it is, I'm I'm honest in that regard. I will fight my corner. Mm-hmm. I have had to fight my corner all my life. It is second nature, <laughs> and I make no apologies for it. I can calm down a little bit at times. I know, but and I do sometimes. I the trigger. That's my my trigger is just to react. But um, I sometimes know that I need to withdraw or to retreat a little, and I will calm down. I don't just go off and and it's irrational and it's, you know, I'm going to get myself into trouble because I don't know when to stop or, or whatever. But I'm not going to shy away from the thing that's the point i don't shy away from adversity so do you because I, I think when we're cornered we fight i think we all fight when we're cornered but um is that your first instinct to fight or is um actually i think a bit but it's 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 very quick i i, I don't and then all of a sudden i just explode it's not that Okay, but if if I'm required to okay, if it's if I'm under attack or I feel like I'm under attack, I respond and I will deal with the matter. I will I'll react and I think I can be appropriate in some regards. But for example, if there's an emergency, um, I remember once my son had an issue and. Um, it, it, he was in pain. He was in a lot of pain. And I immediately started to question him, to look at, you know, to, to, to try and figure out what was going on. My husband froze, called the ambulance, get this, whatever he, because this is, you know, the thought that son could possibly die. Just that's... And I don't freeze like that. I I get very cold and calculated Mm. at that point. But if you make me angry and you're angry with me, I respond likewise. Um, In another circumstance, if I am very hurt, if if I'm extremely hurt by something that's done, I go very quiet. I don't lash out, but what I do is going to be probably final in what I do because it's going mm. to be 
will take my handbag. I will take my handbag up, for example. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. You're going to get some gossiping of my private life. My, my, my first engagement. <laughs> oh no, I, I, you know it's not a secret. My first engagement. Said gentleman came and wanted me to um, go to Miami and um, become suburban housewife. And I'm to, I've told you that story before and was getting excited and all the rest of it. And so, and instead of me getting into a quarrel with him, I went very, very quiet. And during that time, I thought through everything, everything flashed in front of me, literally, you know, in a few a minute or two, and I just said calmly, well, this is it. And I took the ring off and I said, that's it. So when it is really, really deeply personal, the maddy, maddy person that you see with carrying on here, that's not me. I go very, very quiet. And that's when you know that I, it, this is life-changing. Mm. So yeah. I, have, I have degrees of responses. Mm. I see yeah. the lash, lashing out as quite destructive in a lot of ways. Some people see it as just expressing themselves, getting it off their chest, but I feel that sometimes that does burn bridges. Um, from my point of view, I, I've got I'm none of the above of those. Actually, I've got this thing. I don't know whether it's because of our tumultuous upbringing, but for some reason. I don't freeze, but I go still and I'll pick the appropriate response. So, you know, I had a bit of ag at one point and I didn't respond, but I just looked them up and down, assessed them <laughs> to see, am I going to take them or could they take me? Uh, I looked around to see who was around and whether I wanted like, you know, uh, a physical altercation to happen in front of other people or somewhere else where it couldn't be seen. So I think that, and, oh yeah, and there was another situation where somebody accused me of, um, taking their DVD and, you know, obviously the first thing is, no, I didn't, but I didn't say that. My mind quickly worked it through, you know, thinking on my feet. And I said, well, I don't have a DVD player, you know, <laughs> so that just killed the conflict dead. So for me, I, I've, I don't know how, I don't know why, but I'm able to deal with things on another level that my mind will be slow, but it will come to the right conclusion. And, um, yeah, that can frustrate people as well. That can annoy people because they're looking for that <laughs> that back and forth and what they're used to. So, uh, yeah, I'm none of the above. Okay. Rob, can you clarify if you think that people-pleasing avoidance is flight or freeze? I would say, I would say that's flight. Um, yeah, I, I think... Um, so I, I can identify with uh, what Sandra said I, in, in moments of real, um, like drama, I find it, I become really calm and calculating. Um, but I would typically um, just discount people and just kind of walk off. Um, I, I, yeah, I, like Carl says, I, I don't see, like I feel like I don't want to change anyone, so I'm not going to fight um, but I'll just, um, and that can be in, in relationships. It's easier to start again. It's easier to, um, which, um, 
prob uh, probably isn't the best. Um, and probably in times when I should have worked things out, um, it was easier just to, just to go. Um, okay. So should we have a hands up or should we go to a breakout room first and then come back? I think perhaps if we go to breakout rooms, um, it'll give everyone a chance to, to consider what's their predominant response, um, what they've done in situations. And none of them are ever going to be um, all the time because it's always going to depend on the context, on how you feel. I think all of us will fight when we're cornered. Um, but some people, it's their first response. Um Oh, and, and, and just to Carl's point, there is actually, I think there's actually five, which is uh, fight, flight, freeze, and then this flop and fawn. Um, yeah. To be after. yeah, I've heard of fawn. Is it that yeah. where the, uh, the just agree, just and they go along with the, the dominant person? Is that what fawn is? Um, I haven't looked in it in great detail, but it it's, it's typically happens after a traumatic event or after suffering trauma that someone um, sort of becomes conditioned. Um, I think that's what it is, but I, I wouldn't claim any expertise in that. Did you um, say flop and fall or fall? Fawn, F-A-W-N, like a, like a deer. Oh, okay, cool, cool, and flop. Um, okay, so in breakout rooms, what is your predominant... Um, style of dealing with conflict. Um, when is it different? Um, and how productive is it? Okay, so you should have... Again. Sorry, say it again. Okay, so what's your predominant style of dealing with conflict? Uh, when does it change? When is it different? And how effective or productive is that? Right, uh, everyone's back. So I want to find who... Who fleed, who fought, and who's frozen? So does anyone want to um, share any insights or any thoughts or anything that struck them from that discussion? Yeah, I don't mind. Um, I thought it was quite interesting, and I think I've been through different stages in life, from kind of fawning to freezing of flight. Um, I think nowadays... Um, I don't know if you'd consider it fighting. I try to be, I try to be calm and considered. Um, and even if I don't agree with someone else's point of view, I try to see it because we don't necessarily, we don't necessarily need to conflict just because we don't agree. Um, it doesn't need to turn into a big argument. But we were just talking and I kind of realised that with the big things, when it comes to serious things, like what Sandra was saying earlier, I can really sort of calm and consider things properly in the moment um, or if it's a, a, an emergency I can really um, stay calm and focused um, but sometimes I find myself especially with my sister you know I, I think you know I'm considered I mean I'm an intellectual adult I can deal with this and then I find myself arguing with her like a bloody child over the most stupidest of things um, and I think it kind of comes down to things like um, being misunderstood or um, intention, or lack of compassion, maybe. Mm. <clears throat> Does anyone else find that um, 
it's very hard to change family dynamics. Um, so whatever role you've been in, um, like whatever the dynamics have been, is it, very. However much you change um, outside of that, it still sort of pulls you back in. I managed to change on that, but it was taking me over twenty years. Might be even before as well, so might be much longer. But it's possible as long as you understand from where that's coming. You need to understand a little bit more story. Because if you see from their perspective, you will see completely different way. You might will be act very similar in their chairs, and you don't even know ninety nine percent of the rest of the story. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's true. Like I can look back. So, for example, I can look back at say my like my parents' childhoods and see how. Like, I didn't. I suppose I didn't when I was younger, but I can see. And there's certain things that I have only found out since um and also 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 i notice like a lot of people have like when teenagers to the young adults there's that time when i don't think they have to become independent um and um so it's like they change it changes that dynamic and i notice um and um from my own experience there's uh, that changes. It's, it's a time of conflict where people, where like the child is is growing up and finding themselves, and there's an element of they sort of have to reject where they come from in order to become independent. I've also found as well that no matter how you grow and change and develop, in the family context, there is a pecking order a family tree and there are levels and that cannot be superseded. And if someone's losing an argument, they can pull rank just like that. And that, that never goes away. Which brings us to the last point we made in our group. Um, and, uh, you know, I said uh, we should discuss it is it's triggers what are uh, to recognize what our triggers are and family is one because as Carl saying yeah that that hierarchy that is established that pecking order um and i'm sure i've told you my grandfather established a pecking order Okay, and where you were in the order you were expected <laughs> because he had his own criteria for putting you at the head or at the bottom. And so you kind of, you know, that's how they approached you. And it was, it's kind of like hell to get yourself out of that because when, once you're in the group, you kind of subconsciously find your place. Yeah, it's a bit like sort of gravity, isn't it? Yes. Like holds you. Mm. I mean, culture plays a heavy part, doesn't it? I mean, the trouble I have with, yeah, pecking order, as you say, is one thing. And um, and then who they are. It's like the mother-in-laws. <laughs> my mother-in-law and my daughter's mother-in-law, you know? I mean, I just can't get anywhere with them. Hmm. Mm. Well, and it's also whatever you've grown up in, you think is normal until like you start dating people and you start seeing a different family, and then you realise they do things entirely differently, and then there's a culture clash. So you like in a relationship, there is always that culture clash of the two 
their histories. Because um, people have different expectations, don't they, when there's a culture clash? That's the thing I find. Yeah. Yeah, and different values to different to different things. Mm. Um, just as a um, quick poll, um, who would see themselves as a fighter? The fighters have all got two hands up. Um, and who would see themselves as a flighter? And who would say that they freeze? But only in the way that I sort of stop and and choose where to go next, so I'll freeze or I'll slow down. Not freeze as in I'm, you know, I'm incapacitated, but yeah. I would say that that's deliberate, not not mm. frozen. Mm. I think there's a a deliberation about what your your next move will be, rather than freezing. To me, freezing yeah. is tantamount to panicking almost. Yeah, that, well, I definitely don't do that. But yeah, those were the only options on the table. So that's kind of what I was fitting in with, was uh, freezing, I suppose. Um, okay, so we've got a couple of hands up. Are they to, to comment or are they still from the, the poll? To comment. Uh, yeah, go on, Margaret. Well, I, as in my group, I think it, we all decided it really depends on the person that you're dealing with. Um what the situation is so you can be, you can become but you can be in between the, the three of them so you're not particularly you're not particularly one or the other if for example you've got controlling people that want to tell you what to do you could freeze because because um the way you've been brought up do you do you notice um a different response like what triggers different responses your emotions, I suppose, you know, um, mm. and actually whether you're ready for a conflict, you know what I mean? Sometimes you're caught off guard, you're not, um, yeah, you, it's, it's a lot of energy having a conflict, I think. <laughs> I think um, it's the, the actual conflict itself, what it is about, how important it is, mm. the, the nature of the conflict, the person or persons involved in the conflict. Um chance of resolution also contributes to it you know because there's no point in having an endless argument with mm. not going any further and that can exacerbate the, the the conflict it's not directly related to the, the 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 issue at hand but it's the that's how it's playing out that does add fuel to the fire i think because you're you're getting nowhere you're going around in circles and emotions are just getting probably more and more um Thing. or people retreating to their corners and, and, and are not coming out. It could go either way because mm. nobody's listening. That's the other thing in conflict. Who listens <laughs> and who, who is adding value to the conversation or the issue <laughs> to help with um, resolution? I think that's something that we, we overlook as well because if you're shouting at each other, you can't hear, you can't digest the message, you can't even... Mm. This is what I'm saying. I, I feel that there has to be a mindful approach to it in so much as I had an experience of sat on a bench with someone and they were ready for conflict and they were just going, what about this, what about it? I was like, wait, 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 slow down. And I, I, took the, I took the responsibility. I said, I can't think that fast. You know, it's almost like seceding to them to say, you know, but really it was just we're never going to discuss this if you're just going quickly from thing to thing to thing without actually looking at each point 
and considering it. So I had to slow it down. I had to almost sort of uh, take responsibility for it or accept blame, uh, even though it wasn't really my fault. It was just a way to kind of get it to calm down, change the approach, be mindful. And let's just say you've got a list of problems, yay long. Well, let's work through each one bit by bit. But if you keep hopping from thing to thing to thing, we'll never we'll never work out what it is, what is the problem there. So, mm. yeah, mindfulness in conflict, I think, is key, maybe. Mm. I think when I'm thinking about, like, specific triggers, um, when I feel something is really wrong um, is when I'll fight. Um, like, sometimes when... Um, if there's a situation and it's usually um, like it's been done to someone else because personally becomes different, but it's like when you see it happening to someone else, it's like, it's a trigger of like, it feels like you have to fight that. Um, Or like I'm thinking about when something's gone wrong, like if you bought something, and you feel you've been cheated, then for me, that would be a trigger to fight. Um, but generally, a difference of opinion, I, I would be more inclined to, okay, assume, and then um, more flight. So um, I was just, um, I forgot my thread of thought, but I was thinking something that you said, Carl, triggered. Um, to do with the response, um, response to to conflict. Oh, was it about the bit where I accepted blame? Oh, I can't go that fast. It's too fast for me. And really, it was that oh. they were going too fast, but I took the bait uh, or the sorry, the the, um, the responsibility. Yeah, no, it was about um, yes, it was, it was, it was sort of that. It was the, the way you were describing it. Is how sometimes people get so thing like this is wrong this is wrong and i'm gonna fight and, and you go like yeah i know but it, it's so like it, it so i'm uh sometimes doing mediation so conflicts between people and the the point of the mediation is that a conflict can cost in legal terms maybe it might cost a hundred hundred thousand pounds um and there's no guarantee you might be pretty sure that you've got a shut open and shut case but you might just get the odd judge on a bad day who judges against you um and you're paying your like barrister and your solicitor like 250 quid an hour or more um and so costs quickly mount up um and so mediation can be sorted out really quickly in for a few thousand and that's really about what happens is, is, is the crunch of, okay, this is how you feel, but are you willing to lose everything? And sometimes people are. Usually people come to that point and they realise the loss is going to be far more. But often people are so grounded in, in what's wrong that they have to keep telling you. Um, and... The, the way that you can resolve conflict is by unraveling it so you understand what's in someone's story and it comes out and you can put together the details and it's like, what do, what do you want? 
and usually people want something emotional um, as much as financial. Um, but often people become so stuck that they just got to keep telling you um, and keep telling you that, um, like Carl was saying, yeah, sometimes it's being lost in the story. And, and the, the, the value of conflict is it's a way out of our story because we are trapped in our own stories. Like every problem is comes from that basic conflict between who we are and the story that we're living by. Don't you think this is a little bit more about coming from different perspective? It's like we as the humans, suspicious, are we always good to find the bad things? We are always good to find things what we need to fix. But eventually, does it really require it? Or just change the subject or change the perspective and just do different way? It's like when you're playing chess game. How you do? You're changing the strategy. That's simple. That doesn't mean need to improve. Just for that table game, it just doesn't working, And that's okay. That's no problem. That's no problem behind ever. Because as soon as when you're saying problem, people mechanists got these anxiety feelings and that's causing that funny feeling. You also have a situation wherein there are people who understand your makeup and they manipulate your 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 reactions. They know what they know your trigger points. They know what will get you riled up. They know what will get you um excited or upset whatever and um in a sense it's like you also need to learn how to deal with those kinds of people before you even get to the subject matter because <laughs> the subject matter is, is is secondary it's the how to deal with those kinds of people so mm. they don't get under your skin so rob are you saying that the uh, solution to conflict is empathy then um, I think you have to understand. Um, so it's not just empathy, because empathy, um, because when you understand someone else's point of view, but I think you both have to understand each other's view. Um, and it's taking taking the personal and the emotional element out of it. So it's about empathy. And then it's about so it's empathy, understanding each other. And then it's about really being honesty, really honest. Um, and Carl uses the term intellectual honesty. And I, I think it is really about, you have to look at what's true. So in the conflict, you have to reveal what's hidden. What am I really arguing about? What do I really want? And that, um, knowing that, is the pathway to, to resolving conflict. Because if you're arguing about doing pizza or Chinese, what are you really arguing about? Um, and is it is it about who gets to say, um, and because you've picked the films for the last three weeks, I'm going to have my say over the takeaway? Or um, is it about, I've done all this for you, I want to make sure that you care enough about me to, to let me win? Um, is it about winning? Um, so what's it really about? Um, because the, the way out of conflict is you have to look at, strip away what's really true 
from what's what's part of the story and what's emotional reaction. And then how can you get what you want? Like, how can you get back the core bits of what you both want? Or how can you find a way? But what if you can't both have what you want? Because didn't you say earlier on that conflict is because you don't have the resources to give them both what they want? So would that be a case then of having to agree to disagree as in go your separate ways or? Um, okay. So often it's about a creative solution. So let, let's say if it's a romantic relationship, what do you really want from a romantic relationship? Sexy time. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to break the atmosphere. Out of yeah, no, no I, I was just thinking, oh, no one's going to answer. Yeah. So what we really want are emotional things, but we're fighting over maybe physical or... Um, physical so no, both. <laughs> so there's no, but there's no limit to, um, like the feeling of love, the feeling of being cared for, the feeling of being valued, respected, seen, understood, all of those things. There's no limits. That's not a finite resource. But our arguments, our arguments are about what dinner we have or whatever. But underneath that argument is really about, do you really care about me? Do, will you listen to me? Will you give me, will you be there for me? Um, do I matter enough? So in a relationship is about that. So if it's a conflict outside of a relationship, like it's a more, um, so like it's a, a, like a company or um, you're fighting a, like someone hasn't given you something and you've had a contract, then often there's another way around it, um, as in something else might be more important to you. The only way that you know how you can resolve the conflict is by really getting to the truth of um, what is it people really want. And so even if it's a finite resource of I want this food or I want money, it's, it's really, there's something underneath that. There's only a few core things that we really want. So um, food is about what is about comfort is about um, emotional satisfaction. It's about nutrition or something like that. Um, so it's really understanding. And that is what the value of conflict it gets us real clarity over what we really want. Um, it, only get, it only gets us clarity when we're willing to be aware to look underneath, because if we just keep on arguing about the superficial stuff, that won't get anywhere. Will it? Yeah. Um, if we're, um, if we're, so if you look at wars that are unresolved, it's because they're not willing to be honest about it. The conflict goes on for years, decades, centuries, um, because no one's really, um, they either don't trust each other or they don't open up to what do they really want. Um, Carl? Yeah, I don't know if this is appropriate, but I'll kind of throw it in the mix. It's not like I usually say appropriate stuff anyway, but um, I saw this meme and it really hit home and it says, it's a bit black and white, but it says, people treat you how they feel about you. And that really, really struck a call right, like right to my heart. I was like, wow, that's incredible. And I think that 
our arguments are often or um, can be a resistance to that, knowing that if, you know, if somebody's, um, you come in and you sort of stroke the back of their head or something, or you show some intimacy and they just burp and carry on watching football, if it's your husband or whatever, you know that's how they feel about you. They're more interested in something else than they are you. And then therefore an argument starts later because of that single incident, because they've expressed how they felt about that person. Now you might, you can argue this and you can water it down and say, well, maybe they were tired or they had a bad day, but actually also there is something in that that holds meaning. So yeah, that, I don't know if anybody that resonates with anybody else, but I found that quite powerful that people will treat you how they feel. About I, um, I I, there's something else to that. I think how I feel about you is how I feel about me. That a lot of the times it's a reflection of that there's always projection that we project onto others what is going on inside of us. Um, so, because when you think about it, if someone is disdainful, lacking respect or something like that, it's whatever they do to you, they do 10 times worse to themselves because that little voice inside themselves is going to do that to them. Because really, anyone with self-respect and self-value and all of that stuff and feeling good about themselves is going to at the least be polite or at least be considerate. But if they if they aren't able to be that, then they it's because they don't have enough in themselves. Janos. That's so true what you said, uh, Rob. It's basically coming back to the parallel lore. What you give, what you will get. So if you order to want to get something, you need to give similar things. That's the only way how you can get it. And that's simple. So if you're giving for the customer what they want, they will treat you similar way back as well. If you're arguing with them, you will get argument. So somebody has to stop it that. And that's usually is the person who are, can keep calm and remember for that. And that's one of the highest value. Mm. And you just hit it that point. It's really, you have to give what you want. It's a cause and consequence. Yeah, and I, and I think one of the real challenges is someone has to go first. Like if you look at the parenting relationship, it's generally like it's generally because parents have loved their child first and they've given their, their child unconditional love that there's such a strong bond. And that's different from almost any other relationship. Wow, you start believing now in the unconditional love, Rob. You made some changes. Wow. Well, when you say someone has to go first, are you saying that one has to be willing to be loving towards the other one first? Yeah, um, yeah. I think we have to... So, I wouldn't say... Um, so, yeah, I, I think we have to greet people unconditionally. I think there is a, there is a point, I, don't, I think... If we love unconditionally, it means we accept anything. We can love the person, but not stay in a relationship. Um, but yeah, I, I think we we have to, because what the usual problem in a relationship is people are tentative and they're like, dip their toe in and then the, the slightest negative reaction is they react to that. And, and so like love, is built between two people 
and it's built because both people um, give to the relationship. In giving to the relationship, that's where the like well of love is built. Um, so if no one gives, then um, it becomes is transactional. Yeah, to give as well, it does, but it has to be consistent from both parties. You know, sort of, you're all over each other one day, the next day you don't even speak to each other or touch each other. You know. Yeah. Consistency is so vital. Yes. And the communication as well, phoning or messaging, especially when you start a new relationship, the consistency and the regular communication is very, very important and meeting up with each other. Yes. People come to a relationship with anxieties. Um, and when the when someone seems to not be interested or whatever, in, in any vacuum, we'll make up a story. Um, and the story will play out from our anxieties. And the, the giving has to be reciprocated, doesn't it? Yeah, because otherwise, like that is the danger of unconditional love, is that you love someone who abuses you and treats you terribly. Um, and so some, some people misunderstand that and, and get into terrible relationships because they think that's what they have to do. Um, but there has to be some some level of reciprocity. Um, Sabila. Hey, I just had a thought when Carl said, people treat you how they feel about you. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like, you know, in, throughout school life, our teachers and lecturers teach us that we should treat people how we want to be treated. But in reality, when you grow up, you realise you should treat people how they want to be treated because everybody's different. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think um, like the five love languages is, is a huge hit, um, but I think it's just the first level um, is that we're all different and it's about like not, we're not all going to fit into five boxes. There's, that works as a general awareness, but there's so much more to it. Um, yeah, um, and I think one of the key things we want in the relationship is to be understood and feel that someone cares enough to understand. I think sometimes we don't put the message across clear enough. We're not doing it properly because it's it's how we communicate to the other person that are we getting the message across in the right way and, and in a clear sense. So we're not always clear sometimes, you know. Yeah, we're not clear, even with ourselves, honestly. You know so much what you want to say. So obviously that's enough clear for yourself, but sometimes it isn't clear for ourselves. Last time I wrote an email where I said I was a little bit overhand and everything. And I wrote mm -hmm. one more stance there, like mentally I overhand. Straight away HR pick up on that and they straight away forwarded to the person who was talking to me. And I was like, wow, they actually heard me. And I didn't even realize I said that. That's mm. when, you know, really you got person who we silently screaming for the attention. We silently sing what we want, but the other person not picking up. But that goes back to us, um, what uh, was said earlier, that um, it's not what we think that we should be doing to somebody. It's what we are seeing. We need to learn to see and to recognize things in other people, to react to that and not have a recipe that we think that we ought to follow. 
um, in how we behave with with other people because as everybody's agreed we are all different we have different experiences we have different triggers we have different reactions we have um we bring all sorts of experiences to the table and until you understand that about the individual you don't really know that person you have not really got into that person's core essence so to speak and that in itself takes um that takes an awareness of of yourself you need to have that patience but you also need to have those tools to understand what you're seeing and i think a lot of us do, we see things in others but we i'm not we, sometimes we don't get it we don't understand what it means what it is we sometimes don't even have the vocabulary to ask the appropriate questions to try to understand it and so we make wrong calls i mean we react differently we in, inappropriately or we 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 ignore sometimes we ignore the signals as janos is saying that went up and was recognized um sometimes the person is in front of us and giving us signals but we we don't recognize it because that's not what we're looking for we don't learn how to spot those things mm. this this our schooling is all about logic and reason and reciting stuff um and yet we're so emotionally underdeveloped i'm just going to throw this in the mix which is um at one point i was getting involved in online uh debates in politics and religion and <laughs> Everybody has their view, but here was the rub. Because it was a clique and a group of minds and people, it sometimes got to a point where it was less about the intellectual property of the argument, but the other person saying something that would irk somebody, i.e. purposefully triggering them. So what that developed to me was a skill that no matter what the other person said i could hold my color like i would be able to just stand in my place because i knew that they were saying something because they knew my beliefs and my stance on things that they would purposefully say something to wind me up so that's really helped me in in conflicts knowing that people will almost say anything to get a rise out of you sometimes um so with that in mind i hope i don't say this in a belligerent fashion but for fuck's sake we we can't be screaming at each other we can't we can't be shouting you know cursing and cussing people down because like rob said it it's well, what do you really want and all you're doing by that is saying i want to hurt you you've hurt me that that's all it boils down to when really <laughs> so where's that going to get us that's war and if if war's what you want then it's most likely with a lot of people what you'll get so is finding a break out of that loop and if you haven't got those skills you're going to be warring for the rest of your life and i get that's how some people live they want to go through life that way but that's a hard hard road to go down and there's not really any fucking winners in that game so um yeah conflict is maybe just starting from a respectful place but sometimes conflict arises because people want to deflect attention from themselves no or just drama queen yeah yeah <laughs> there, there is that thing like I, you know, i was talking about there's always those 
archetypes like in, in every office. And there is always the attention seeker who's just can find drama in any situation. Um, and I suppose it, it really, when you think about it, it comes down to childhood. Sometimes people are not given attention and they learn to get negative attention. I was just picking up on what Carl had said there really about um, when somebody's going at you, that's their inability to regulate their emotions. Um, it's not about you, it's about them. Okay. Um, okay, so to wrap up, um, how effective do you think your response to conflict is? Can you um, that? So um, in terms of dealing with conflict, um, how well do you think you deal with it now? Depends on the situation. Again, still, what's the intention behind the other person? Because if you need to protect more people in order to one person just remove from the place, you might need to make that decisions because as the, as the, you know, worker, managers, that's part of your job, unfortunately. You only can as long look after one person as long. I keep saying you can take the horse to the water, but you cannot make drink. Um, but then I, sp I suppose it's, it's really about like sometimes you're in a situation where you can't change someone. And that's that I think the first part is recognizing you can't be super person who can change everyone. It's just, um, and some conflict isn't going to get resolved. Some conflict is going to get messy, but it's about how, how can you be, how can you deal with it with honor so that you feel good about it after? Um, but is it the case that if, if, if the opposite of conflict is connection, and connection is what you're seeking. That needs to be both parties willing to move towards each other, isn't it? So if the yeah. other party isn't moving towards you, then there supposedly there will be no resolution. But that's when you would agree to disagree and just leave it as it is or walk away then. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, for me, relationships um, and conflict is, is really about just getting to the truth of the situation. Because there's either a solution or there isn't. The relationship is either going to work or it's not. Um, but the quicker that you can get to the truth of that, um, the quicker you can either create the relationship, end the conflict, or move on. Because you can't... Some conflict is um, that you can't resolve it in the same way that some relationships are doomed because it's set in someone's expectations, their assumptions and the way that they're going to deal with stress, with, um, uh, with whatever where challenges happen. Many people have unresolved issues or they've suffered with trauma and it's their past experiences that I feel that get in the way so that you can't really resolve that conflict and then often you have to walk away from relationships like that because they need help mm. and it's often very clear yeah yes you end up um, damaging yourself by staying in that relationship it's harmful for yourself yeah it becomes um there's a i suppose it's, it's setting boundaries of you do as much as you can mm -hmm. and then recognize it's not your responsibility past that
But it's also about tolerance and acceptance as well. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us aren't very tolerant and sometimes we just have to accept, you know, that's the way it is. That's how that person is and that's it. And and you've got to try and work with it rather than against it. I think a lot of people just don't have the patience. They just don't try. Yeah. Um, Yeah, a lot of people... So I think generally there's an expectation, there's an anxiety about getting into relationships, an anxiety that won't work, uh, an anxiety that I'll I'll never be loved. Um, Mm. And that makes people more emotional, which makes it harder to deal with. Um, And yeah, so that, so really, um, like we said about most things, it's about having the capacity. Capacity is the um, mitigating factor. Um, Carl? <laughs> when you said that, that is so true that people go in like with these doubts and fears in this context, but <clears throat> I don't know if this is actually true about myself, but I see myself. Do you remember a cartoon called The Animaniacs? No. It was like Warner Brothers. And there's this little girl and she's got a haircut with a fringe and she picks up cats and dogs and she's like, I'm going to love you and squeeze you and hold you and hug you like this. And I feel like I'm like that. I'll go into it with just ridiculous optimism. Like if I'm really into the person, not every person I'm like, you know, like that with, but if I'm really, you know, it ticks my boxes and I feel happy and confident. And this is somebody like, you know, on a body, mind and soul level that I click with. I have that kind of childlike, over-enthusiastic, go for it. Because, I don't know, yeah, it just, but perhaps it's not, I need somewhere in the middle, but definitely not on the other side of pessimism, because that will kill it. But you'll start seeing things that are not there, which is true of the other side as well. <laughs> but like, you'll start thinking, yeah, you, you'll start seeing certain behaviours in a certain light or, anyway, I'll leave it there, but you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's true. And I think you have to, I think it's about, it's really when you, um, it's, why am I doing this? Why, or is it like dogma? Is it um, a lack of awareness or is it um, an emotional? Um, like what's driving this? Um, I think that that is really on both sides is understanding um, like the, the assumptions, the, <laughs> the expectations and the emotions. Um, and it's being free of dogma of ignorance and emotion, uh, uh, like emotional responses. I don't mean not being emotional, but being driven by emotional. Um, and yeah, so when we can chip those away, we get the truth of both of both sides. And that's really what's going to determine whether it works or not. How did capacity relate to this again? Okay, so um so your ability to deal with conflict is really about your emotional capacity. Um because if you're like when you're when you so the the fight flight or uh, freeze response are really about what do you do under stress um, and the point at which you get stressed is 
a threshold determined by your emotional capacity. So if you are um, really unattached and you're able to, you're really mindful and you're able to stop and think about things like Carla and Yanis have talked about, um, being able to have that emotional distance, then you can respond more rationally and more appropriately and more effectively. When you feel threatened, when you feel this, but it is really threatened in whichever way, um, that you respond more emotionally, which is going to be fight, flight, or, or freeze. Does that answer the question? Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks. Okay. Um, all right. So if we go round, anyone's got any thoughts or perspectives that they want to share or, or whatever they feel comes to mind that can share with everyone else? Well, it sounds like you're saying the, uh, the solution to conflict is empathy and understanding. And that yeah. usually it isn't about the superficial things, but just wanting again, like the Gottman said, that bid for uh, for horsemen thing to turn towards the person. Um, yeah, um, because really, what what we want, we want um, we want to be like. Obviously, we want food. We want whatever, but. In our society, most of us have enough food, we have enough water, we have shelter and stuff like that. So what we're, we're all really seeking is status, love, understanding, compassion. If you were to look, like if aliens came down and they looked at Instagram and Facebook, it would seem that it's the trainers that you have, it's the six-pack that you have or the car or all of this stuff. Um which is like popular culture. But the reason we want certain brands, you know, like kids are like, they need certain, I can't even, I'm so out of touch, was it uh, Supremes and stuff like that, um, is because they feel that makes them important, that makes them, gives them value. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, so, um, and so it seems to be superficial. So if you look at most people's goals is to be famous and even looking at why do people want to be famous? Um, because if you look at fame, right, Confucius said that fame was the screeching of friction. Being famous means loads of people hate you. Um, but people don't think about that. Like everyone who wants to be Beyonce is because they want to be adored. They want to be in, on a on a stage with a hundred thousand people screaming their name because that will make them feel important. That will make them feel loved. Um, and on a lesser scale, we want the flash car, the big house, um, and all that stuff to feel important because really everything all the physical stuff, all the status is symbols for what we really want because what we really want is an emotional, because at the end of the day, 
like money has no real value. If, if there was no one else and all you had was money, like it would be, it'd be, it's just paper. Um, but what we want is the feeling. So, um, so yeah, ultimately it's about understanding what is the feeling that people want. Like the thing that they're fighting for, what does it symbolize? And once we understand that, we're able to work out conflict. If someone won't let us in to, to share that, or we don't, we're not there to listen, um, we can't really work the conflict. When you say the feeling, you mean to be seen, heard, and to feel validated? Yeah, and loved. Um, yeah, and important. Yeah, all of that stuff. It's Maslow's theory, isn't it? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. We're looking to that. That's what we need. Mm. It's, it, um, I mean, Maslow's is, is represented as you want one and one, and one, but it's more of a circular, like, mm. um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately we need survival. So you, you like, if you hold someone's head underwater, you'll soon find how much they value air. Um, but um, so we need that more. But yeah, um, we need all the other connection and all that as well. Um, any other thoughts on conflict or? Sorry, it's me again. Just one final thing. I mean, we're talking about relationships and things. And um, I mean, I come from an Asian background and people have arranged marriages. Unfortunately, you know, my, uh, mine, I'm not going to say I didn't work, but a lot of problems as to why we ended up apart. But there's lots and lots of arranged marriages that work. And where that starts from is that they're often strangers. Some of them don't even know each other, like my mum and dad. And my grandparents only saw each other on the wedding day, you know. And, and it's about commitment. If you make that promise, I'm going to make it work. And, and that loyalty, then they can work. And this is how a lot of these arranged marriages work. And I admire these people that have, they're in these great arranged marriages. And, um, and, 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 you know, it's because they're just committed that they, they want to make it work and they have to make it work. And they do. Mm. Statistically, uh, arranged marriages are more successful than chosen marriages. Um, and some of it is the expectations. Um, and, and, it's, and, it, and because there's a whole cultural story behind it. Um, and so, yeah, it, it can, it can mm. be effective. Me and my ex-husband, we've been apart for 20 years. We were married for 15, but, um, and, and we are good friends, you know, 20 years on, we're good friends. But it's just all the problems that are in the way, the issues, the family, the culture and so on that got in the way, a lot of, um, yeah, uh, those kind of things that got in the way uh, that, that affected our marriage. But otherwise, like I said, you know, we, we get on okay. I think it's about reciprocation and if, both parties are willing to put in the effort um, as much as each other, really. If you've got the reciprocation and you're both willing to, <clears throat> then you've got more chance for working it out, I guess. Yeah. All the elements that you need. Yeah. And when, when I say like relationships are set and it's set whether the conflict is resolved, that's really what I mean. How much leeway is there and how much willingness is there to, to go deeper and understand 
Well, thank you, everyone. And we met, I think we managed, we managed tonight without any conflict. Just you, Slag. So next, next week. Um, so yeah, I haven't put up the, um, topic for next week, but I think it's going to be conversation, which is really how, how do we mediate, um, conflict. Okay. Well, have a great week, everyone. Um, and see you next week. Hopefully. Thanks, Rob. See you. Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 bye.